This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Cagina is the technical producer and Ryan White is the live stream producer and we are live streaming on my YouTube channel tonight Strange Planet don't forget to hit that red subscriber button if you haven't already done so coming up in the second hour crop circle filmmaker and researcher Patty Greer returns to the program there's something rather peculiar happening with crop circles uh, or should I say not happening We're in the midst of crop circle season, uh, and yet there have been very few crop circle formations reported, about five so far, Patty tells me. And if you're interested uh, or if you're in the live stream tonight, Patty has about a dozen really, really cool crop circle images for you to check out. That's hour two. Right now, uh, my guest is going to discuss the state of individual freedoms in America. I'm going to say the West because I think much of what he has to say also applies uh, to Canada. At its core, constitutional lawyer Jonathan Emord says power today is being exercised by something called the administrative state, which is a product of authoritarian socialist ideology, which he credits to the 19th century German philosopher Hegel. His new book is called The Authoritarians, Their Assault on Individual Liberty, the Constitution, and Free Enterprise from the 19th Century to the Present. In other words, how did we get to where we're at? Jonathan W. E. Mord has been practicing constitutional and administrative law before the federal courts and agencies since 1985. In fact, I believe he's the only only lawyer in U.S. history to defeat the FDA in court something like eight times. Having begun his career as an attorney in the Federal Communications Commission during the administration of President Ronald Reagan, Emort has maintained an abiding conviction 
to achieve full First Amendment protection for the freedoms of speech and press. In 1991, he authored the critically acclaimed Freedom, Technology, and the First Amendment, in which he chronicled the intellectual foundations of the First Amendment and advocated replacing government control over the airwaves with a title registry, private property rights approach. Previously, Jonathan has authored Global Censorship of Health Information. Now, that book came out back in 2010, but wow, that's that's really timely, I would say. Uh, the Rise of Tyranny and Restore the Public. Jonathan Emord, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Just fine. Good to be with you again, Richard. How are you? Very well, very well. So this is a, let me just hold this up for our live stream. That's a thick book, like 500 pages. So, uh, you know, we're just going to scratch the surface tonight, obviously. So let's talk about the roots of authoritarianism or socialism in America. And you say it goes back to uh, pre-antebellum South. So let's, yeah. let's, let's dive in right there. When, when and how did socialism take root in pre-antebellum South? Well, um, in the 1830s, the Southerners, who were principally responsible for defending the institution of slavery, were under tremendous attack, and it only increased in its in ferocity from abolitionists in the North. And they were uh, vexed by the power of the arguments being made by abolitionists. Abolitionists were criticizing Southerners for not only the lack of morality associated with slavery, that is, its immorality, but also uh, they were criticizing them uh, because they had violated the fundamental precepts of the Declaration of Independence, not least of which is all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, and the governments were instituted among men to protect those rights. So the abolitionists were taking the position that uh, Southerners were violating that most basic charter of the American Republic, and that they uh, were disgracing their ancestors who had fought in the American Revolution. And so in response to that, uh, a number of Southerners then began to question whether they should continue to respect Thomas Jefferson and the, the Declaration or reject it. And it became a popular rallying cry uh, that they rejected, uh, finding that it's, it's a fiction that all men are created equal. Clearly, all men are not created equal, they argued, and that uh, Thomas Jefferson's position was bunk, and that the Declaration is based on uh, a falsehood. And they then advanced the idea, uh, based on Hegelian uh, socialism. Friedrich Hegel was the architect of collectivism, and his philosophy was well known to the Southerners, and they adopted it uh, directly, um, overtly, and even proclaimed socialism to be what they were defending. In fact, uh, if you take a look at what Edmund Ruffin, who is a prominent uh, Virginian, he's in fact the one who said that he, 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 he lied about this, but he said that he was the one to fire the first shot at Fort Sumter commencing the Civil War. That was not true. But he had said uh, that, uh, along with George Fitzhugh, that um, the institution of slavery, that is, plantation slavery, was the beau ideal of socialism. Actually, 
Fitzhugh went farther. He said it was the beau ideal of communism. And so that's the origin of this intellectual uh, construct within the United States. Socialism had its root right there in the 1830s. Uh, so that's going to come as a, a huge shock to many people. I mean, I have friends and f- family who who consider themselves to be socialist. Uh, they're fed up with capitalism, and capitalism is a failure. But if we go back to the uh, pre-antebellum South, you're saying that that slavery actually is uh, a socialist idea. It is very much so, and in fact. Um, Friedrich Hegel uh, justified slavery uh, in his construct of collectivism. That's why the Southerners adopted it. They, they, Hegel had said that uh, slavery was merely a reflection of the fact that a superior race had defeated or would be defeating an inferior race, and that it, throughout history, whenever a superior race defeated an inferior race, the inferior race was most frequently enslaved. He said this is not a bad thing. He said it's actually good for both parties. In the first instance... That's interesting. Excuse me, Jonathan, because we often hear from people that, oh, that's colonialism. We have to tear this statue down and that statue down because they were colonialists. uh, And that, you know, the, the history of vanquished peoples is seen through that lens uh, and that the the you know the colonialists uh, are are part of uh, the you know the the British empire and uh, that gets tied in with you know free markets and capitalism so what you're saying is a complete departure from that yeah in fact uh, marxism you know lies are the currency of the marxist and so what you find is that they rewrite history and that was what hegel actually did and not only that Woodrow Wilson, for example, is a strong Hegelian, a socialist by his own admission in his own writings. Uh, and you find that this adoption in the progressive era of socialism, again, is, 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 is a falsehood. It's based on a phony conception that somehow enslaving yourself to the state, which is socialism, is preferable to free labor, that is, capitalism. That an individual is in a worse state when that individual has freedom of choice among employers uh, than that individual is when uh, uh, control cradled the grave by the state. So the falsehood is that somehow socialism is liberating and that it's liberating labor. The actual uh, circumstance is that socialism everywhere imposed enslaves labor because the employer is the government, and the government sets by law the terms for employment and uses a bureaucracy to determine who gets employed, under what circumstances, and their wages, and so on. There's no freedom in that at all. That's entirely giving a monopoly to the state. Right. So we so are this idea far that better off. Th- and by the way, this debate went raged uh, between Abraham Lincoln, believe it or not, who defended free labor, and John C. Calhoun and others in the South who defended what they called the mudsill theory, which was that there there had to be a class that is kept doing the most menial labor in order for another class to excel, that is, to live at a higher standard of living. 
and that this was necessary for the progress of humanity. Again, in, in socialism, we look at collectivism. We look at the collective. It's a hypothetical. We don't know what uh, a body of people believe. body of people don't believe anything. But there's right. ascribed beliefs by the socialist. Right. It's like a forest. There's no such thing as a forest. There's only individual Correct. trees. Right. And, and when you talk about rights, they have to be individual rights. If you talk about collective rights, it's a fiction. And what happens is the socialist tries to confuse the public into thinking that there are such things as collective rights. And what they merely do is define policies and ascribe to them rights if you follow the state, do what the state wants you to do. Everything else is prohibited. Well, that's not, uh, that's not individual liberty. That's not individual protection of rights. That's slavery and denial of individual rights. So the the rulers the the, um, uh, the in the state those that that believe that they are intellectually superior uh, to those that they are ruling over, uh, and this is justified because you know uh, again the the conqueror uh, must be superior to the vanquished, otherwise they wouldn't have been successful in conquering them. This sounds like social Darwinism, but didn't Hegel predate Darwin? Yes. Uh, but it fits in quite nat- nicely with social Darwinism, and that's, in fact, a catalyst, as I explain in the book. It is a catalyst, actually, to the progressive era and the progressive movement. What happened was, although the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, it didn't abolish socialist thinking, not, not by a long shot. And, in fact, socialist thinking then led academics into the, into the notion that you could create a government outside the Constitution's limits and outside of the concept of individual liberty that is inherent in the United States Constitution through the administrative state. Now, if you followed the framers' construct, for example, if we take uh, George Washington's words, let there be no change by usurpation, for though in one instance it may be an instrument of good, it is the customary weapon by which free governments are destroyed. And by that he meant that we may not change the Constitution without an amendment. Why? Because of the language in the Declaration. That is, just governments are predicated on the consent of the governed. Well, the people of the United States, through the ratification process, through their representatives, consented to the language of the Constitution and the powers invested in the three branches and the limitations on those powers and the protection of rights. Well, if you change that construct, you have to proceed by amendment, again seeking the consent of the governed, because in Lockean terms, under the Second Treatise on Government, John Locke made this express, that if you rule without consent, you have no legitimacy. And it's it's merely tyranny. So you can impose your will and without limitation. And that's what happened with the administrative state. Although, under following the Constitution, they would have had to, under Article 5, sought a constitutional amendment and achieved it. They instead had a a major power grab in which they created the administrative state for the very express purpose, when you read their, their writings, the express purpose of avoiding the limitations on power in the Constitution, the separation of powers, 
and the checks and balances of the Constitution. And so they achieved John. that, you know, magnificently, grossly, in the administrative state, which has combined legislative, executive, and judicial power, which James Madison defined as the very definition of tyranny. All right, let me uh, just uh, reset here. Jonathan W. E. Moore, my guest, constitutional lawyer. The book is The Author- the Authoritarians. Now, um, let's just kind of reset here, back up just a bit, because we're, when we're talking about the administrative state, we have to sort of find out how we got to that point, because you point out that after the Civil War, you had all of these intellectuals uh, that, that wanted to become university professors, influencers, obviously, uh, in charge of young minds. And so they went to Germany, Hegel's home, where Hegel had set up all of these schools. And so when these American academics intellectuals went to Germany and studied in Hegel's school, what did they learn, and then what did they bring back? So, from the period roughly the 1860s forward, hundreds of academics from the United States flocked to Germany. Germany was considered to be, uh, in academia at the time, an ideal construct of education in the graduate uh, level because they created what we have adopted as the method for graduate education. And scholars from, the, from all of the major universities in the United States went to Germany and studied under professors who taught in the historic schools, they were called, the Hegelian concept of collectivism. And, and that teaching uh, denounced expressly the American Constitution, the American Declaration of Independence, the notion, Lockean notion of rights, that individual rights exist, that uh, the, the governments are instituted to protect those rights, and, and declared that to be rubbish, saying that actually individuals never have rights, that it's always the collective that has rights, that rights come from the state, not from God. The notion of the Founding Fathers was that rights are, are, bequests, are bequests that are given to each individual at birth uh, and are unalienable, cannot be taken away by the state. The uh, Hegelians taught that the greatest virtue for an individual was to pursue the policy direction set by the state, and that it was not to be set by democratic institutions but rather was to be set by experts in an administrative state who could best discern what was in the quote-unquote common good. A technocracy. Uh, and so, yes, uh, an, an oligarchy of experts, that's what they said needed to exist. And so they established the, the benefits arising from the administrative state to be efficiency and to be advancement, progress, beyond that which was ever possible by the cumbersome, slow uh, 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 constitutional process of a republic. And so they trained these academics to denounce or hate uh, their own government, the Republic of the United States. They came back and fulfilled the wishes of their professors in Germany by building an academic, an academia that was dedicated to the same thing denouncing the Constitution, advocating changes that would result in a loss of constitutional governance and an increase in autocratic or authoritarian power 
through the administrative state, which would have combined legislative, executive, and judicial powers, and would would pursue the common interests defined by uh, eggheads, individuals who are said right. to be academically superior to common people. They, they, now this they, is a, excuse me, Jonathan. This is fascinating because mo- many of us sit back and we think, well, this this revolution, this cultural revolution, started in the 1960s. But actually, it started maybe in the 1860s, the late 1860s. That's correct. It very much did. And by 1881, we had our first uh, federal bureaucracy in the Interstate Commerce Commission preceding 1881, from 1860 to 1880. uh, Numerous independent regulatory commissions were established at the state level by individuals who were avowed socialists, governors who were socialists, and by uh, uh, academics who were socialists. Socialism became very popular at this time in academia, and it was along the Hegelian model. It's, it's, it's noteworthy that uh, uh, Karl Marx was a student of Hegel's and was a dedicated student of Hegel. He just took Hegelian socialism farther to a more brutal communism, uh, but nonetheless, it's a slippery slope. Once you're on that socialist slide, you end up with communism because invariably power just aggregates. Power unchecked simply grows. And right, the ultimate right. What's that? that was it Ayn Rand who said uh, uh, socialism is, or communism is murder, socialism is suicide. Uh, we're going to take a time out, uh, Jonathan, when we come back. So we're, we're getting into this at the beginning, the very early stages of the progressive era. You said 1881, the, the formation of the first um, administrative. 1886, by the way. Let me correct that. Oh, all right. 1886. <laughs> the administ- the beginning of the administrative state. And, of course, then under, you know, about 60 or 50 years later, that is accelerated under FDR, and in the, in the authoritarians, you list, I think there are three pages just listing all of the federal agencies, dozens and dozens and dozens of federal agencies created by FDR, who was a great admirer of uh, Mussolini. They had kind of this mutual admiration society going on. Um, remember, Mussolini, the fascist, FDR wanted to send people, uh, send representatives over to to study this wonderful progressive Mussolini character. We'll come back. Jonathan W. E. Mord, the uh, author of The Authoritarians, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Jonathan W. E. Mord, constitutional lawyer, and his latest is The Authoritarians, Their Assault on Individual Liberty, the Constitution, and Free Enterprise from the 19th Century to the Present. Uh, let's let's bring it up to the 1930s, FTR, the New Deal, um, the creation of dozens and dozens and dozens of federal agencies. And um, so the idea is that they are now circumventing uh, Congress, they are, they are passing, they are making law. What percentage of of law is, or let's say, under FDR, was being made by by federal agencies rather than by Congress and the president? Roughly, what percentage would you say? So, uh, two years into the New Deal, we have the NRA, 
the, the National Recovery Administration. And also, we have total government control over agriculture. The NRA controlled every aspect of production, of pricing for products, and of supply and distribution. In other words, it was total government control along uh, that fascist Mussolini type of model. Um, and when you ask the question then, uh, what percentage of law, well, even though the uh, regulatory state was, was nascent, it was nonetheless expansive and extensive, so much so that every aspect of commerce was controlled by the federal government uh, in the uh, first New Deal and then uh, um, less so after the Supreme Court struck down the New Deal. But the second New Deal reintroduced redistribution of income as a primary means, but also several agencies continued under one form or another. Um, the NRA of, uh, was, was ultimately rejected because it was an utter disaster. But you, you, you could reasonably say that at a minimum, more than half of all federal law at that time was the result of the administrative state, not the Congress of the United States, not the elected representatives of the people. Now, fast forward to the present, and it is easily over three-quarters of all federal law uh, is the product of the unelected heads of the administrative agencies, not those we elect. In other words, 75 percent. administrative state is the true government of the United States. Right. So when when President Trump was busy deregulating and we saw those huge, it was a wonderful visual, those huge stacks of paper and you know, look, we cut 12 million uh, regulations today. Uh, that was an, a, a direct attack on the administrative state. Now, uh, some people call it the deep state, but let's use the term administrative state. That must have been a huge, huge threat to them. Yes, but what what we found in the Reagan administration, um, if you simply deregulate, then when socialists get back in power, or even when they don't, when when less aggressive presidents who are conservative are in power, the administrative state regrows and reestablishes uh, its original control and expands beyond it. In other words, it's an ever-growing, gargantuan machine. And what we have with the Trump deregulation is classic deregulation. What we had with Reagan in the administrative state, and I know this directly having been involved with the Reagan Federal Communications Commission, was deregulation which as much as possible was predicated on constitutional grounds. So, for example, at the Federal Communications Commission, uh, Mark Fowler, who was chairman of the FCC, and Dennis Patrick, who was chairman of the FCC in succession, um, eliminated the Fairness Doctrine based on its violation of the First Amendment. And that makes it extremely difficult to re-regulate a Fairness Doctrine, it being... Uh, held against against the high law, highest law of the land. So when you do that, then it's not uh, open for policy choice. When you simply say, "Oh, circumstances have changed; we're no longer we no longer see benefit from a regulation," then when the new administration comes in, like Biden, he massively re-regulates and goes beyond simply by declaring 
the prior judgment of the agency to be in error because it's an agency judgment that has no superior law force to constrain it. In the end, the only solution for us, if we were, are to have individual liberty and protection for rights and to recognize the sovereignty of the individual, as was the very purpose of the Constitution of the United States, you have to get rid of the administrative state because it is illegitimate from the get-go. The transfer of power under Article One, for example, of the Constitution, all legislative power is invested in the Congress of the United States. Not some, uh, all. And right. only the Congress of the United States has constitutional authority to create law. And yet, the administrative state creates law and does it unconstitutionally in violation of the vesting clause, it's called, of Article One. The same is true with respect to the Article Three power, which is exclusive to the judiciary, and I would argue the same is true for the executive power. So the, the administrative state actually entirely defeats the Constitution, because if you're caught up in it, if you're the accused, all of your rights are taken from you. you have right. I wanted to ask you about that, Jonathan. Uh, so uh, you, you run afoul of the EPA, let's say. Uh, do they have to have a warrant? They are allowed to use what is, in fact, a general warrant. Now, a general warrant is issued by an executive magistrate, not by a judge, and it can ask for anything. And so general warrants in England were used by the courts of Star Chamber and High Commission from about the 14th century forward until the 17th century. And they were despised by the people because a magistrate working essentially as a surrogate for the crown could go after an enemy of the crown and obtain all of their information, rifle through all of their files, all of their uh, papers, and uh, gather up witnesses and so forth, and then haul the person before the Court of Star Chamber or High Commission, and they would have to answer for any number of accusations without any advance notice and without having an independent judiciary decide the propriety uh, of of the search in the first place, the probable cause that would justify it. What crime right. has this man or this woman committed? And so while the Founding Fathers uh, prohibit in the Constitution use of general warrants, they have come, uh, come alive again in the administrative state, which uses general warrants routinely in the United States, and the hapless person who is accused has no choice but to turn over all of these documents. Do you have a right to face your accuser? And Yes, and there's no right to uh, know who your accuser is. So when the administrative mm. state attacks you, you don't know who's responsible for the charge. Not only that, you're essentially guilty until you've proven yourself innocent, reversing the constitutional presumptions. And furthermore, you have no right to a jury trial. The party that is prosecuting you is also the judge, and in that there can be no justice at all. You're always guilty. Unbelievable. And, What's their conviction yeah. rate, Jonathan? What's their conviction rate? Well, it's 100%. Uh, <laughs> the only instance where it deviates, and they're very rare, is when the administrative state itself decides what it has done is, is, is wrong, and that's a very rare circumstance. 
as the as Joshua Wright, who is an FD, FTC Federal Trade Commission commissioner, said in a, in a moment of extraordinary uh, truthfulness and revelation for one of these uh, bureaucrats, he said he had looked at decades of FTC decisions, and he had found that in every instance where an administrative law judge, that is a judge that they control within the agency, and not an independent judge in an Article Three court, that whenever a judge, an administrative law judge, had found in favor of the accused, the commission on review reversed. And in every instance in which the person had been found by the administrative law judge to have violated the law, it was upheld. So that, in other words, in 100% of the cases, the commission found itself to be right. That should not surprise us, because when you conjoin the power to prosecute with the power to judge, you, you can have no justice. It's an inherent conflict of interest. You can't be an independent judge and yet be charged with prosecuting a party. And So when Trump least, was being, uh, when he was caught up in this whole, you know, Russia hoax, uh, and then there was the, uh, the call to the ambassador in Ukraine, uh, was he being... Was he being prosecuted again by the administrative state in this case? Yes, and in this case, it it, it ends up being a, a most uh, um, a grossly unjust prosecution because you have uh, an agency of the government, and also in complicity with the Congress of the United States, the majority party, the Democratic Party, and they were alleging that there were. Uh, enormous amounts of information accessible only to them because it had to be kept secret uh, that proved beyond uh, doubt that, that Trump was guilty of complicity with the Russians and so forth. And all of that was entirely fabricated. So what you had was an attempt at a, a coup d'etat. You had, this is, this is, this is the, the zenith of administrative state achievement is when the administrative state is not only a separate uh, government, but is the superior government. When it draws from the uh, duly elected branches and, and the judiciary, the federal judiciary, independent judiciary, all power such that uh, they become largely irrelevant and it becomes the decision-making institution, it, uh, it then is in a position to actually affect a coup d'etat like this. And so what we had was an, uh, an attempt to overthrow uh, a duly elected president and doing it through the administrative state on, on, on wholly uh, fabricated grounds. As we know, the warrants... That Jonathan, sorry, uh, I've got to yeah. jump in here. We're going to take a time out. Pardon the interruption. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. We also, uh, I want to talk about favored enterprises. This is where fascism begins to creep in. So I, 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 we're getting a pretty good picture here. 75% of laws today are uh, created, enacted by unelected, unaccountable technocrats, the experts, the people that uh, know best for uh, the rest of us great unwashed back with uh, more of my conversation with jonathan e mord the author of the authoritarians right here on the conspiracy show don't go away you're listening to the conspiracy show with richard Serrett from zoomer radio welcome back so 
America is ruled by an administrative state. They produce 75% of the law, not the Congress, not the president uh, enacting the law. It is this administrative state or the deep state, unelected, unaccountable. Uh, these, these federal agencies that are running the country, they have their own court system, star chambers, uh, where the accused is guilty until proven innocent. They have a 100% conviction rate. You don't have a, 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 a right to face your accuser. All the, the major tenets of uh, the judicial system, supposedly, are thrown out the window. And uh, to add to this, uh, Jonathan, you know, a lot of younger people um, are disenchanted with capitalism. And, and they say, well, it's, it's the, the rich ruling over the poor and the, the dividing wage, you know, the dividing um, income gap and all of these things. They blame capitalism. But it's really the, the, the inequities that are produced by this corporatist state that we now have. Talk to me about how the corporatist state e- emerged and, and the role of something called favored enterprises. Well, in this time period uh, of the progressive era, actually immediately uh, after the Civil War with the rise of industrialization in the United States, um, we have huge demographic shifts that are taking place with people moving from rural areas into the cities, exactly the opposite of what's happening now. Uh, and you have much uh, considerable social change, too, with large influx of immigrants coming from Europe. And it was very unsettling for elites, for those who had been accustomed to uh, uh, being a ruling class in these, in these uh, uh, urban areas before the influx of all these changes, and they had also been uh, economically superior people because they had lived at the top of an agrarian, largely agrarian society. Now, with capitalism, you have a rush of people who were poor coming into the middle class. In fact, during this period, we have the largest increase in economic wealth among people in the history of the world in the United States taking place with a burgeoning middle class and with people for the first time achieving magnificent wealth. Uh, and it was oftentimes rags to riches and then back to rags again, but it was rags to riches. And uh, it was an upwardly mobile, very dynamic capitalist uh, environment. Well, that's a very uncomfortable environment, not only for the elites, but also for captains of industry who suddenly realize that without consolidation of industry to the extent that they can monopolize, they are liable to lose, that is, go from riches to rags, um, because of innovation coming into the market. And so you have all of these magnates trying to create monopolies. Now, what Gabriel Kolko, brilliant economist, uh, and Murray Rothbard, another brilliant economist, uh, really definitively have shown, and there are many, many now who chime in in, in the world of economics on this point, um, they were never successful in producing monopolies in the marketplace. The only way they achieved it was through government intervention. So, for example, the Granger movement uh, was essentially a, a movement by farmers, particularly poor farmers, to get government help to set, to fix the rates of rail transportation so that they could afford to move grain uh, 
Now, the reality was they could afford to move grain, and there was quite a bit of competition among the rails using a rebate system. But what the, uh, what the, what the grangers wanted to do was basically produce even lower rates to their advantage. And what happened was the government stepped in, purportedly on behalf of the grangers, but then rapidly became influenced, lobbied by the railroad uh, magnates who were able to pump money into campaigns and heavily control political uh, fortunes. And they succeeded in taking, co-opting the, the populist movement for rate setting, and they set rates at monopoly levels, and they had anti-rebate laws, which eliminated their competition, that is, new entrants, and they secured monopoly control through uh, a, com- a combination with the government. This then happens over again and again and again in various industries, uh, even the communications industry by the 1930s, actually late 1920s. So right. Excuse me, Jonathan. This is a this is a short segment. We're going to take a break. This was just a short six minute segment. We'll come back and pick up on this uh, in a moment. But and and today, of course, we're seeing we're seeing this favored enterprise with with big tech, uh, with big pharma. Uh, Elon Musk, I suppose you could you could argue has benefited greatly from this. And and so, but people blame uh, capitalism for. Uh, these huge income disparities and so forth and wealth disparities between the very, very rich and and the very, very poor. But in fact, they it's not capitalism and free markets to blame. It's it's corporatist uh, America and this this favored enterprise system, which is fascism, really. Yeah, we'll uh, pick up on that corporate for the corporate class. Right. We'll pick up on this uh, on the other side. Jonathan E. Mord, the authoritarians right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Just a few minutes remain with Jonathan Emore. Jonathan, I'm going to have to have you back because uh, we really need, you know, uh, a lot more uh, airstrip here to discuss this stuff. Uh, um, but I, I want to get back to uh, corporatist state and favored enterprises. And if we look at the Green New Deal, for example, it's kind of a classic example where the uh, the, the, the the state is picking winners and losers in the uh, in the green energy field. Uh, we saw that under Obama. They're basically telling uh, consumers, we don't care that you want 
cheap oil and gas to run your vehicles and heat your homes uh, and that you want reliable energy, we are deciding for you that we, you will have unreliable, intermittent energy, solar and, and wind. Um, I don't understand at the top why they would want to destroy the golden goose. Why are they doing this? Is this about a wealth transfer to China? What's going on here? Well, it's about control. It's about ac- acquiring power over the most significant industry in the country. That is the backbone, the very backbone of the economy, the fossil fuel economy. So if you can obliterate fossil fuels and compel people to rely on intermittent and unreliable sources like solar and wind, then you have achieved that degree of control over people and you've rendered them helpless, essentially, because you, you destroy the capitalist system by doing this. You absolutely do. Um, and any, you know, take a look at California, how reliable their energy system is as they progressively move in this direction in advance of the federal effort nationally. So it's, it's not uh, a, a hidden enterprise, actually. AOC, her chief of staff, was communicating with the governor, uh, governor's assistance on climate change early on in this process of developing this Green New Deal proposal. And he, he laughed at them when they were talking about this as an environmental measure because he said, no, we're doing this in order to bring about socialism. We're, we're doing, this is a Trojan, he didn't say this, but it, what he's effectively saying is that this is a Trojan horse for the delivery of socialism to America. Total state control over the market. You're exactly right. Corporatism, picking winners and losers, destroying the existing system of free enterprise that gives us cheap energy that's very clean, and replacing it with actually what's quite toxic, solar panels and windmills that acquire, require vast stretches of an entire real estate equal to entire states to put these bird-killing windmills into operation so and bat-killing. Uh, so it, it, is a, it is a lie. First of all, it's a lie that it's an environmentally superior method of energy. Second, it's a lie that it could ever be reliable and uh, could replace on equal terms the energy generated from fossil fuels. And third, it is a lie that people's lives would not be adversely affected. We would be driven into the Stone Age by this, uh, this transformation. It would ruin our countries, bring them absolutely down, and invite the, the uh, communists in China and, and in Russia to basically rule the world. So what's in it for, I don't know, the, the Gavin Newsom's and uh, uh, the, the AOC's? Do they think that once all of this wealth is transferred to China and China basically takes over, uh, that they will be rewarded somehow? Well, truth be told, they have no problem with the ideology uh, because they believe in it. Uh, communism is what, they're, what they really believe in. And they don't have a problem in it because they become the solution to every problem. In other words, once you have a centralized government uh, 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 plan to replace the existing system of energy with this solar energy, and you have planned economies, just like in the Soviet Union, planned economies, then they are in a position of controlling it. 
They are jealous of power. They would never want to give power away to the Chinese. They want it for themselves, but they want to also to destroy the, all other aspects of the constitutional system. If they could be dictators indefinitely throughout their lives, that's what they would like, and, they, and their move is in that direction. They don't, it's an inconvenience to have to answer to the American people. They want right. total right. control. Okay, we've got about six minutes here, uh, which is you know a ridiculous task. But let's let's talk about some of the solutions. And I, I I would love to have you back on, and we'll do two hours if if you'd be good for that. Um, sure. You, you talk about how people need to number one, we, they need to defend their property. They need to go after looters and arsonists and so forth. Uh, they need to sue the people that are behind the looters and the arsonists. But doesn't that require you know the rule of law? Uh, aren't these same elites, haven't they also infiltrated the court system? I mean, you, you, the, 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 the father of this whole progressive era, I think you mentioned, it was a Supreme Court justice. Uh, I mean, can, we, can you rely on the courts anymore? Well, of all of the branches of the government, the judiciary has been the least affected by these changes Without question, there has been, you mentioned that Justice Felix Frankfurter, he was an advocate of the administrative state. He was a socialist, and he advocated the administrative state uh, and administrative law adjudication. But the Article Three courts remain the strongest bastions, as do the state courts, even though they have, without a doubt, bad apples in them. The point here is that when your police don't, uh, provide you with protection when they have been essentially disabled by this defund the police movement and by elimination of bail and so forth uh, such that you are simply uh, uh, sitting ducks for criminals because there's no police presence to, to help you you have to resort to methods of self-protection uh, and that means you have to exert protection for your rights through the courts and through self-help with, uh, with, uh, in the case of the United States your Second Amendment right, uh, your Second Amendment right to be armed and to and to protect your property and your lives against those who would destroy your property and would take your life. So that's a fundamental uh, and and, uh, and 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 a right that no one can take from you. The right of self-defense. Well, so, they're trying. They're trying awfully hard, aren't they? You're right. You're right. And so people have to think in advance. Assume that their houses would be taken, that their property would be uh, uh, violated and destroyed and, and burned, and uh, looting could take place in their businesses and burning of their businesses, arson. And they have to think of that in advance and do things that create a defense, put in uh, cameras to observe, be armed, try to be in your business, try to have others in your business, try to make sure that you have the ability to react don't necessarily depend on the police. Rely on uh, your own means. But in addition to that, track down those who violate your rights and prosecute them through the civil law, through tort uh, law, and go after them for their property. This was very effectively done by Senator Tom Cotton and uh, in in Washington D.C. when uh, when when people. Uh, uh, protested in front of his house and actually threatened his wife and then came uh, uh, with a newborn baby and and uh, uh, trespassed on his property 
and so forth. He, he then has gone after them, not in the most hospitable courts in the world, that is the District of Columbia courts, but nonetheless, ultimately, he can get uh, uh, defense for his position in the Court of Appeals. Now, this is expensive, I know. And what about, uh, we just got a, a couple minutes here, but what about uh, reversing this whole administrative state system? Is it too late? No. And in fact, we are in a position now, uniquely, to make some substantial changes. I think for the first time, many Americans are receptive to this message that in the next election, in 2022, we're likely to see the House, if not the Senate, turn into hands that are in favor of these kinds of measures. And we have to understand, it's not enough to win the election. We have to dismantle the administrative state. We have to do that if we really mean to be free, if we believe in individual liberty, and if we, if we believe that individuals should be sovereign and that the state should be their servant, not the other way around. We have to take advantage of the election, and it must be beyond simply winning and stopping the bleeding that's going on and the destruction of free enterprise. We have to go beyond that. We have to dismantle the administrative state. That is the answer to taking socialism out of the government. All right, uh, Jonathan. Again, uh, uh, I have to get you back on, and we have to. We have. We need more time. Basically, would you be good for that? Uh, maybe um, sure, sometime over the summer. Fantastic. This is so important. Uh, the authoritarians, their assault on individual liberty, the Constitution, and free enterprise from the 19th century to the present. Uh, Jonathan, thank you again. We'll talk soon. You're quite welcome. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk crop circles. A little fun, a little uh, excitement with Patty Greer, crop circle filmmaker extraordinaire. Stay with us. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed basement with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the paintings of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, AM 740, 96.7 FM, Zoomer Radio, here in Toronto. And hiya to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hey there to everyone streaming us at zoomerradio.ca and those streaming us on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And tonight is a great time uh, to be watching this radio program on my YouTube channel uh, because Crop Circle filmmaker Patty Greer is here with all sorts of wonderful Crop Circle images and um, before we get rolling with that, I just want to uh, uh, say hello and thank you to one of our new Patreon.com slash Strange Planet supporters. Tim Sullivan is, uh, I know I was talking about Star Chamber Courts with uh, Jonathan e- Emord a little earlier in the first hour. Uh, we don't like Star Chamber Courts, but the uh, the Star Chamber tier in the uh, Patreon.com slash Richard Serrett uh, uh, group is is a wonderful uh, donor tier, and we really appreciate uh, your support, Tim. Uh, thank you so much. Again, if you'd like to uh, participate, become an official donor with this program, 
and uh, all of the work that I do, my podcasts and so forth, the newsletter, everything else, uh, just go to patreon.com slash strange planet, patreon.com slash strange planet. Thanks to all of my donors and uh, welcome aboard Tim Sullivan and thank you so much. So if you think crop circles are created by little green men flying around in, uh, in saucers, think again. Patty Greer's research and the work of other researchers, such as W.C. Levengood, has left Patty to conclude that crop circles appear to be one of the first physical manifestations of co-communication between the earth, the water, human consciousness, and other dimensional beings, spinning plasma vortices of high-frequency energies which blend together to perfection and deliver messages to assist our evolutionary transformation patty's list of award-winning crop circle films includes crop circle diaries the shift has hit the fan crop circle update the wake-up call uh, orbs and light beings the wake wake up call Two, uh, 2012 we're already in it and uh, today patty greer is also heavily involved in her uh, new company uh, c60 evo uh, a revolutionary supplement, the uh, consumable form of the carbon-60 molecule called ESS-60. And we'll talk a little bit about that, <clears throat> this remarkable uh, antioxidant, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-aging elixir a little bit later. But uh, for now, we'll focus on crop circles and who better to walk us through than uh, one of the top crop circle researchers and filmmakers in the world. Patty, how are you? Welcome back. Good. What a fun intro to listen to. <laughs> From you, your uh, eerie music to your uh, just the whole thing, it's really enjoyable. I forget how much fun you are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, fun is my middle name. Uh, you you uh, emailed me today and, and told me something that I was kind of shocked by, and and uh, and that is that there have only been was it five recorded documented crop circles so far this year? Yeah, literally. Five in the middle of June is pretty much unheard of since I've been watching crop circles. I mean, typically by now we'd have dozens. And it came to me ever so clearly in the last few weeks, why? And I laid out kind of a timeline and it, it's what we're going to talk about tonight. And I want to be ever so brief about the science because, um, but I want to be clear with the science because... I don't listen to other researchers. I I just listen to Dr. Levengood and Penny Kelly that he worked with to get the science. And it took me five mornings in a row listening to the description of how crop circles really happen with these plasma vortices. I couldn't put it in my brain because there was nothing to glue it to. It's so unheard of the truth about crop circles. But when I realized the level of suppression I've tolerated and that William Levengood had to survive. Uh, as we look at the world now, we realize they've been hiding all the good stuff. So crop circles would be another one. But looking at this timeline, oh my gosh, you're just going to love it when we get to the end. So I, I have 11 photos that I want to go through and I'll be brief about some of them and lengthy about the important ones. So I know that you have images on 
some of your channels, but not the radio. So if you'd pull up number one, I just wanted to point out, this is what it's like, it, what it was like for me filming in a crop circle. But the reason I grabbed this photo is that people might've thought I was quirky or a clean freak because I always had these gloves on my hands. But what they didn't know was that I was dealing with mercury poisoning really bad. Still am today, 17 years later. Because because of a, a dental procedure, right? Yeah, I used to trust dentists. And um, there's great ones. I just trusted the wrong one. And he put a bunch of mercury in my teeth when I paid for white porcelain. The chart said white porcelain. Very, very clear, 2004. But my fingertips that performed on harp and piano as a musician, all of a sudden I have cuts. I've got six cuts today, just oh, challenging. But so out of desperation, I went and laid in a crop circle in England and that's how I went to crop circles. I had tried every kind of healer in America, but um, so it was very interesting that I went there for this healing miracle that people were talking about but once I got there, it was so beyond shocking what it felt like to be in a crop circle that I just kept the gloves on and forgot about my hands. And I was just like jaw on chin pretty much all the summers I was there. Well, that's interesting, Patty. I mean, you and I have talked about it's been quite some time since we talked about your merc your battle with mercury poisoning. And I guess I, I, until now, I really didn't quite make that connection that you know, shame on this dentist for doing it, but because of what he did, in a, in a way, we now have eight uh, award-winning crop circle films that have opened up, you know, perhaps millions of people to what's going on with crop circles. So a, a wonderful thing ended up coming out of a horrible thing. Right, this bittersweet dance that we're all going through. I'm looking at everybody I know, really wise, really successful. Everybody is going through something or another and you're vaccinated or you're not, or, you know, all this drama. So, um, yeah, I, I think that we're going to be really tested as we go through this next period. Thank God for C60, which you and I both do. Yes. Um, so I want to move quickly in the beginning photos. Let's pull up number two where I just wanted to show this one because half the time I'm filming during the day and at, at the most magical time is late, late at night when you sit up on the hillsides. And because in England, the crop circles typically happen in the same fields year after year, we knew the places to sit up on the hillside with our camera. And there were sometimes a few of us there waiting, just waiting to see those balls of light light up and lay a crop circle down and dissipate. And then in the morning, boom, there is a new crop circle. So yes, we've got that photo up now. And again, if, uh, if you're listening in on the radio, but you want to see this wonderful timeline and all of these uh, wonderful photos that Patty Greer has provided us, go to the, uh, the YouTube channel, strange planet. And uh, and you'll see those. And just a, a quick note, uh, Patty. Yes. Um, if if during a break, if there's any way you could resend me four, nine, and ten. So for some reason, four, nine, and ten. Um, I've sent those to my live stream producer. He says somehow through the email they became, I don't know, corrupted, and we he's not able to open them. 
Yeah, they're Would bigger. You, I'll screenshot them and send them during the break. Four, nine, and ten. Great. Okay, right. so here you are at night waiting three. for the, the balls of light. Yeah. So night night watch was like really exciting and not a lot of people were willing to do it. What I realize now about the mercury poisoning was that I was hit so hard. He must have loaded me up on his free nitrous oxide. And I look at these couple of three different incidents when I could have died. And I went into a state of something else. And as I was in these crowd circles, I look back now at the things I did like night watch, completely fearless. What was I thinking? Like going in a microlight plane at 3,000 feet, leaning out the, what do you mean, no door on my side? <laughs> you know, everything as I look back now, I don't know how I pulled it off other than it was like a trance over there. And thank God. Did you get any relief from your mercury poisoning when you were lying in the inside the crop circle? Not much. No? No, and I've done unbelievable detox plus i co-own c60 evo and so i have access to tremendous amounts of c60 which i think is probably why i'm still alive i'm grateful but no mercury poisoning mercury which we know is in these we can say the word shots um it's it's really a hard thing to get rid of and believe me i've tried but what a blessing. You know, I was so desperate to heal. I went and laid in a crop circle and then my life changed. Right, right. So number three, I just pulled up just spontaneously four of my favorite crop circles. And what's stunning about the crop circles is um, you mentioned it, or, or, or I think you did, that it's it's a message coming from the mother, from the earth, in a language that we all understand. And there's different groups of crop circle deliveries. Some of them are sacred geometry. There they Where, are. They're up there on the, uh, the YouTube channel now. Yes. Oh, yay. So bottom left is this spinning vortex of Fibonacci sequences. Right. That's my favorite. Why? Right. There's 409 circles flawlessly laid out. The mathematics were perfect. And my friend Charles Mallet was in that formation, not in it, but he walked the entire perimeter. He owned the research center at 5.30 a.m. The pilots always called him first thing in the morning. He'd get there before anyone. And he said it was rainy all night, muddy as could be, really hard. <laughs> all around the, you know, outside, but he walked the whole perimeter. He said there wasn't a footstep anywhere and it was a rainy night. So this thing was phenomenal. And, um, the measurements of the Fibonacci sequence were perfect. And in England, the reason I also showed that previous photo where I'm filming at night, there's only two to three hours of darkness where they can make the crop circles. And they happen during those two to three hours. Usually, we've heard of, though, crop circles happening during the day. Very rare, but one happened at Stonehenge. Now, with this, so, this beautiful, uh, the beautiful crop circle in the lower left, mm -hmm. the Fibonacci sequence, did anyone report uh, balls of light in the area before it appeared? Not that I know. Okay. There haven't been um, a lot of reportings, uh, but the few that have are well documented. So we've got mathematics, and above it is like a 3D crop circle. 
how they do it. <laughs> the mother, she's genius, that's how. So that when we look from above uh, an aerial view of that formation, it's 3D. I mean, when you look at it and relax your eyes into a subtle stare, whoa, that thing pops out. Right. And when I went looking for 3D crop circles for my presentations years ago, I showed 60. Like not one or two, 60 3D. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a 3D one before. This might. This is my first. I'm a newbie with the 3D. This is fascinating. And they look like uh, a cross. It's a cross, right? A Christian cross? Uh, this one's more than a cross. I think it's a geometric form, but I'm not sure what to call it. Okay. We did have crosses. There's a lot of crosses, really fancy ones. And then off to the right um, is the famous alien face and the disc right. crop circle, which to me I think was the most meaningful because it brought us into this century. It was right after 9-11, and it was a written message. So we've got binary code, crop circles, and Morse code, and we've seen all kinds of codes. We've got mathematics, the Fibonacci sequence, and a number of other mathematical sequences, 3D ones. But then we also have pictograms, which is like a picture of a fish or a bird or this like M.C. Escher. I call this one the doorway. Right. Absolutely stunning crop circle. And the very next morning, the farmer had mowed it out. It was just an empty white circle. Thank God some of us flew over and took photos and video. He, he Why would he do that? Under instruction, do you suppose? Yep. He was ordered. Well, I don't know for sure. I wasn't there. I didn't hear it. So I have to be very mindful mm -hmm. when I answer questions like that. I agree with you. That's what I want to know. Um I do know, though, uh, which we're kind of leading into, that it did get bad where the farmers were told they had to mow the crop circles out in the last five, six years. It got ugly. But when I was there, it was ecstasy. I was there in 2006, and then I came back in 2007, 2008, and I was there for nine weeks, both those years, just staying at a B&B &B right in the epicenter First thing in the morning, I was at the research center and just on it, on it, on it all day long and filming. Oh, it was insane. It was so great. Where is the epicenter, Patty, for those it, not aware? It's in Wiltshire, England, which is right. Uh, the epicenter would be the Avebury Stone Circle. And then off to the west in this epicenter would be Glastonbury. And off to the east would be Stonehenge Stone Circle. So... It's this ancient sacred site area where the ley lines are like spider webs. And the thing about crop circles, 96 or 7% of them, when we mapped them out, we found that almost all of them were sitting over a ley line, a direct line between two sacred sites, and also sitting over an aquifer of water. So the epicenter has always been rich and luscious farmlands of southern England, Wiltshire. Stonehenge, Avebury, West Kennet Longbarrow, all the same fields get hit year after year, some of them two and three crop circles. And the circle, if it's really luscious green, the photo you see, it's May, it's June, where the crop is just really green and fresh. Right. 
And so we are we are in prime crop circle season, and yet five. only five this year. Now, when you say five crop circles, you're talking about in this hot zone, right? You're in not talking world. about it, oh anywhere in the world. In the world, documented. Documented what? is really important because if people see them and don't call in, right. then it's, so there's probably a lot more than we've ever known. But what I wanted to show about those four is that there's these different layers of the way the mother communicates. Now, I'm acting more like a divine goddess, whatever, you know, with considering the earth itself a mother. But we've always called her the Mother Earth. And um, some people just call it Earth Energy. I loved your address in Canada, Earth. <laughs> Great. So what I have here is just four images of crop circles I just love. And as we came into this century, right after 9-11, that alien face in the disc, it wasn't just a binary code, but the words were this. Beware the bearers of false gifts and their broken promises. Much pain, but still time. Believe there is good out there. We oppose deception. Conduit closing. Wow. Right? Wow. That's quite a message. That was the message right after 9-11. Hello, music lovers. You know, right after 9-11. Wow. So... The next, oh, four oh, yeah. is available. Yeah, that's okay. all right. No, no worries, because we're going to take a time out here, and and uh, it's a short break. But if you could, if you have those, and I'll send those right over to Ryan, uh, my live stream producer, and he'll put those up when you call for it. Hopefully, we can we can manage this in a short time out. But um, uh, let me just, we've got about two minutes here before the break. Any theory as to why where there's such a uh, a short supply, if you will, of crop circles this year? Well, again, we have to go on this little journey because, yes, absolutely. I mean, the punchline, which I'd kind of like to hold till the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, what we'll we have is a communication that's coming out of the earth in spinning vortices of plasma. If you can pull up image number five, it is unbelievable that I was looking at some of the only footage in the world that showed balls of light laying a crop circle down in seconds. A lot of people debunked it, but I know it's real. So here I am watching it. Not that I'm anybody. I'm just totally intuitive, high on mercury poisoning, and reading these things like a book, going to the right place at the right time. I'm editing my, my first film, and I'm looking at that footage. And at the end of the movie, I said to the editor, reverse it, slow it down. He's like, why? I said, I don't know, just do it. And boom, I found between those two balls of light that were spotted over the crop circle and they filmed the moving, but it took a bizarre mathematic formula that came into my brain for no reason that I knew of, where I found this direct communication in binary code between those two balls of light. It was shocking. That's yeah. okay. That image is up there now. So there we see the two balls of light captured on film. Uh, this is a still, obviously. And yeah. in between those balls of light, you're saying that that is a binary code transmission? It is. Amazing. All right. We're going to take a time out, Patty. Stay, uh, stay with us. Send over images four, nine, and 10, and we'll, uh, we'll put those into the hopper. Patty Greer, crop circle filmmaker, researcher, and uh, owner of 
Evo C60, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant on Zoomer Radio. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, we are back with Patty Greer. Patty Greer is... A uh, well, a filmmaker, and but you're not making any more films about crop circles, or are you leaving that door open? It sounds like you know there's something going on here, Patty. Uh, and um, I don't know, are there are there more films to be made? You know, when it comes to crop circles and ufology, I tied it in a bow, and I don't feel an ounce of desire to do more. Um, the field went to hell in a handbasket while I watched at the end. And there's nothing left that interests me, but also watching the crop circles curtail as they have um, has been absolutely historic. But it also tells the story of everything else we're going through. Whereas there's a whole new, I won't say new normal, a whole new way of being on earth and the earth herself has been sending up these messages for decades, decades, and nobody's listening. My first movie without knowing was called the wake up call. Anybody listening? Question mark. And it's still the question today. Um, did you get the, the images? Yes. I've just sent those. I was just going to say, uh, Ryan, uh, if you're listening, my live stream producer, I have resent images four, nine, and ten. So if you could get number four ready to go, and while he's doing that, oh, they're still showing up broken on his end. Okay. Well, we'll just let it go because they're okay. not be important then. Well, why, why, why is the uh, I don't even know what to call them. The the establishment so uh, insistent that we believe crop circles are tied into the UFO phenomenon. It was really a distraction uh, because it's unidentified. It's flying. It's an object. <clears throat> it's none of those things. It's messages coming directly out of the earth. So going to the basics of the real science, why are they hiding it? They're hiding it because the seeds inside crop circles are growing 30 to 400% more food and biofuel per plant with up to 75% more nutrition per seed. That's what's going on in crop circles. That's why they've suppressing the been suppressing the information uh, so terribly and consistently is it's it's up there with free energy you know the uh, oh number four we now have it it's ready to go patty sorry let's uh let's get number four up there if you Wait. want to talk about that number four is so gorgeous this is the center of 
65 different centers. This was my favorite. And I just walked around this formation early one morning near the Avery Stone Circle. Can you see this image? Uh, we're still waiting for it to come up there. Oh. Number four. It is a masterpiece. There's so many woven layers. And I was telling you that in May and June, when you see photos of green crop circles, easy to bend, easy to twist, but not in July, August when they're brown or tan. It's, it's, um, there it is. Yeah. Break. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, uh, speak about the science quickly because I don't want to focus on it. I want to focus on the timeline uh, with a little bit of time we have. But Lefty Levengood, the scientist that worked with Penny Kelly, really described it well. And, and I'm literally going to read um, a paragraph from him because this is the actual science of crop circles and how they discovered it. And oh. I, I have no doubt. All right. Can I just say one thing before you do that? Yes. Because I see uh, some comments in the live stream and someone saying, ah, but they found, you know, they caught two, two men with boards tied to their, 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 their boots and they, that's how they make them. Look at that image there on the live stream. Uh, the, the, uh, the stems, the stalks are not trampled. They're not broken. You can't do that with boards strapped to the bottom of your feet. No. That's why I chose to show that centerpiece. It's a masterpiece. Hmm. And in that formation, there were 65 different masterpiece centers. There's only three to four, two to three, really, hours of darkness. We would see people out in the field, and it takes a ridiculous amount of time just to do a centerpiece like that. These things are incredible. Right. How do we know it's plasma? How do we know it's not guys with boards and ropes? Well, it is guys with boards and ropes, and the BBC needs to film something. Or if ancient aliens flies over, they actually, I shouldn't even go into it, but they had my friend hire a film crew. Uh, their, their film crew came over to film ancient aliens in England a few years ago, and they had my friend hire a human team to make a crop circle for their cameras. I was like, why don't they just come in a month when there's half a dozen crop circles to pick from? He said, well, you know, schedule. <laughs> so anyway, uh, okay. those are your boards and ropes, guys. Those are your, you know, evidence on BBC and the shows. But it's not what's really going okay, on. Okay, so I distracted you. You were talking about the the improved crop yields inside crop circles and oh. some of the, the plant anomaly anomalies. 30 to 400% more food and biofuel per plant with up to 75% more nutrition per seed. Yeah. Wow. Repeated testing, repeated results. So here's what Lefty said. After all this experimenting, <clears throat> there's a plasma vortex operating in the field. A plasma vortex is like a whirling tornado of different kinds of energies, sometimes up to 10 different kinds of frequencies, such as microwave, ion electron avalanche energies, thermogradients, convective stability, and there are other areas that undergo turbulence. There are electrical fields, and all those energies have very specific and distinct boundary conditions. The plasma vortices travel often in counter-rotating pairs to create crop circles. They are interacting with the planet itself 
which has electrical fields, rivers, and currents that move across the surface of the earth. They are always there, and they are always going to interact. William Levengood was convinced that the vortex was the form or the act of action that was happening to create a crop circle. They discovered it was a plasma by using a plant and waving a magnet up and down to achieve certain results. The distribution of particles exactly matched, this is so cool, the mathematics formulation for counter-rotating vortices and the way they throw material. Levengood concluded that it was a charge density plasma operating in the field and that it was a plasma vortex. And he noted that in the United States, the crop circles had a much more powerful charge than the English ones. Totally blows my mind. Hmm. Due to the energies moving across the U.S. Great Plains, allowing the winds to boost the electrical currents in the earth. So would it be, let's see if I understand this, um, would it be fair to compare these plasma vortices as, uh, let's say, we're you know, because these are works of art, the, 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 they're the paint. So the crops are the, the, that's the canvas. The vortices are the paint. And whatever intelligence is responsible is the actual artist using these vortices as the paint. Yes, fabulous. Okay. Yeah. And, so, and these, these vortices are coming up from, from underground? Yes, they're coming out of the earth in very... Um, intent places, intentional places. Um, I mean, she owns all the property of Earth, the mother. <laughs> and so it comes up typically where there's water and typically on sacred sites, ley lines, um, always in places where um, it's sacred area. Fascinating. So now I want to move into the timeline of why only five. And it's so shocking. So during when we had those fabulous ones, the 3D and the mega um, Fibonacci spins, all these beautiful, really ornate crop circles, there was like 150 <clears throat> to 175 crop circles documented around the world. And the crop circle connector documented them, and he's still the one I'm in touch with. So... There were just tons, all these different countries. It was fascinating. England, typically 60 to 75 crop circles just alone in the epicenter. And then there was Italy, was like second, and um, Belgium sometimes, France sometimes. But, man, England was it. So all of a sudden, in 2019, everything changed. Pull up number six, which is this bizarre crop circle in Poland. Now, what oh, we've we got have, number. Sorry, uh, Ryan, if you can pull up number six, I think you've got you've you've gone back to number uh, three. I think just to kind of recap, because you were re alluding to the Fibonacci and the uh, the three D one. Uh, so we're looking for number six, yes. and that's that strange. That's like no other crop circle uh, I've seen. This one was found in. Oh, is oh. this the one? This was in Poland. To, to a small circle next to a very large circle? Well, the large circle, you've got two paisleys up and down, which is the yin-yang. Ah, okay. So now I see. Oh, that's that, that. Okay, now I see it. All right. So the yin-yang typically is two paisleys fit inside each other. Right. Ah, yes, yes. 
And the dark area has a light ball, and the light area has a dark ball. But in 2019, when all of a sudden the energies really changed, this crop circle happened, and I was like, oh, my God, the divine feminine return has literally moved the male, the masculine energy, outside the formation. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. Interesting. Because that's the yin-yang, and the circle should be easily within that that darker uh, paisley. Right. I call it a paisley, just the shape. But, you know, it's it's in the wrong place, but it's in the right place to give us the information. Absolutely fascinating information, really. And Poland, like who? Yeah, why Poland? Right? And it was a really clean one. You can tell they're real when they have immaculate lines, when they have slightly messy lines. That's not how it comes out of the earth. Those are not real when you see sloppy edges. Patty, I got to take a time out. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll talk about this crop formation in Poland. Patty Greer stays with us. CropCircleFilms.com. CropCircleFilms.com. Back with more in a moment. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740. Or toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. All right, we're back with uh, Patty Greer, and um, we'll get that uh, number six picture up on the uh, the live stream again, Ryan. And just bef- while he's doing that, a quick question, Patty, uh, from our live stream chat. Someone, uh, you betcha, asks, do crop circles happen only in crops? Do they happen anywhere else, like forest trees, reeds, in lakes, marshes? I have seen them uh, where we've got the trees bent down from the tops. Really amazing. I've seen them in grass where the grass is laid flatter. Um, we've seen water Snow circles like ice circles, flawless, spinning, circling, very strange. Um, But a lot of the art that's done in snow is done by humans with those things on their feet. Ah, Let's move to um, number seven because this is where it got interesting. After in Poland, we've got the yin-yang where all of a sudden the balance goes completely off the epicenter. All these decades in southern England moved to France. It was like, what? And what happened was, like I said earlier, a lot of the farmers were mowing out their fields really quickly or doing damage to the crop circle because maybe they didn't want people on their land. Maybe the government said, if you want your monthly stipend, you will mow that circle out Uh and let the researchers in, but they couldn't stop the air. Uh, they couldn't stop us flying over and filming. So right. we still. So, in other words, the intelligence, whatever the intelligence is that's responsible for creating these, they got the message that England was no longer receptive to their messages, and they shifted over to France. Is that the idea? I really think so, Richard. I do. And look at these pictures. Oh my lord! Look at those. I put four of them, they're the same message in a different shaping. But what I see here is all feminine. I see 
um, celebration, the arms up. What we have is axis. We've got a straight line, and wrapped around it are all of these um, uh, fingernail moons or arcs yeah. and and some planets, some circles, you know, but when I look at them and you, you take it around a full 360 and move it, almost all the French crop circles were in these divine locations of Mother Mary churches and... Um, it all looked very feminine, the images themselves. Do you see that when you look at them? Uh, well, when any any time I see things that aren't at a you know that are right angles and uh, straight lines, whenever I see anything with you know curves or or you know like or, or something that's round, I think more feminine. Sure. Uh, now the the ones on the bottom, those are absolutely incredible because there's an uh, there's a three-dimension element to those as well yes and they cross the road there's a highway between. oh yes yes now i see the way yes it does it crosses the road holy smokes now that i've, I've never seen a crop circle like that before right okay so now keeping in mind these are all kind of lacy crescent moons. They're all on an axis. You almost feel like you want to blow and spin them around the axis because they're all symmetrical. Right. On a yes. pole. I mean, you could almost flick them and watch them spin. But again, it was a very soft light, uh, and most of them were this. And over in England, there were some, but boy, oh boy, all of a sudden it went to France. And I agree with you. I had been there where the farmers were saying, please don't go in the fields. And it was like, what, why? But when they were starting to mow them out, I quit going. It was just the military was kind of crawling down our necks. It got weird. Helicopters flying over, going really low while we're filming just to bother us. It was no longer fun. So, um, yeah, all of a sudden the epicenter moved. And I've got to say, I kind of cracked up. And then in 2020, we had an early crop circle that was number eight. Okay, Ryan, put up number eight. Now, uh, while we're getting that one up there, are, are, what are you hearing from crop circle hunters, let's say, in, in over there in France now? Are the French farmers more receptive? I don't know because I haven't seen documentation of one French crop circle yet. I've seen four simple ones in England and one in, um, where was that first one? Russia, I think. Okay. Oh, here we go. Now this looks like, oh my gosh. Right? Look at this one. That's well, a virus, Patty. Right? That's a I virus. So it's gross. It looks like a splat, like you spit something. And okay. So think of the grace of all the early decades of gorgeous crop circles, Fibonacci and binary code and three-dimensional and the doorway gorgeous. And then all of a sudden, the the military and the, ugh, the negative forced it out of England somewhat and it went to France and it got all divine and feminine again after in Poland, the, the crop circle spit out the yin-yang balance. So now we've got all these feminine crop circles as the mother, in my opinion, is saying, this is what we're doing. We are lightening up. We are moving into a softer existence. And then 2020 and splat is ugly virus crop circle. Right. I, it's like a spike protein. Look yeah. at that thing. 
Yes. Wow. All right. Just in time because we're going to take a time out. This was a short segment. We'll come back. Uh, maybe we can uh, we'll go through a couple more, and then we need to talk about uh, a relatively new venture, uh, ESS60, of course, Evo C60, the uh, master antioxidant, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-aging elixir. Back with more with Patty Greer right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. When you look at the sky. Ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, back with uh, Patty Greer. Just a few minutes remain. We have a few few more slides uh, to work through on the live stream. Let's so, go straight to number 10. Number because, 10, Ryan. Yeah. Okay. And All this right. is the only five documented crop circles. Oh, this uh, is one of the five. Okay. So these are the five. I, basically, all of them added up. Oh, I Everything see. Everything that's happened in 2021 is worthy of one frame. Very, very limp. Very boring. Okay, we don't have that up, up quite yet. We'll get there. There's a bit of a delay uh, from the radio and then to the, the YouTube. Uh, there it is. Okay. Um, now, I appreciate them. And what's interesting is this is it. That's it. This is it. The yellow one in the middle was early, uh, probably canola field. Mm-hmm. And those are really hard to lay a crop circle in because they can be up to 10-foot tall plants. So that one, it looked like, uh, you know, kind of a, basically we've got three sacred geometry. The top row on the right was a pretty fabulous one. It was a 3D. It looks like a spaceship lifting off. Ah, yes, I see. Wow, that is cool. Right? Yeah. And I I had to kind of keep re-angling it, and then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, now that's good. Um, But the way they showed it on the, the documented pages i couldn't see the lift off and then i turned it enough i was like whoa yeah but again this is it now normally by now we would have 40 or 50 at least by middle of june so in my opinion because what we have is this beautiful language coming out of the earth where the earth herself has been trying to communicate with the people to wake us up to get us to all listen to true earth energy information. And still, so many people aren't listening. I feel like in 2020, when she barfed up that splat of a crop circle that was um, the virus. What's interesting is that it had this long extension. And at the end, some people claimed that that was the antidote. So you've got this ugly virus with this long string out to the antidote, which was number nine. You can show it. It's number nine. Um, Again, it looks like a bizarre crop circle, but look at the artistry in the close-up. These things are so real. And when I'm in them, the hair stands up on my arms, little teeny girl hairs, but you can't fake it. So I don't really fight with people or go in and out. I offer the information. It's up to people if they want to hear it or not. But 
I'm not arrogant about many things because I don't know a lot in life, but this I know. And then when I went to the lab and Penny Kelly pounded it into my brain, this science that I had to read the lyrics from William Levengood. Oh, my God. It was really hard to get it in my thick skull because we're so distracted by UFO, alien, military lasers. I mean, it was like there's so many people guessing, but it's actually an earth science that's been physically proven. The seeds are growing far more food and biofuel. It's a friggin' miracle. And here we have something that we can be using. And in the middle of the film, I showed the machine that's in the lab called the Charge Density Plasma Machine that where we can recreate the technology of crop circles. Amen. I don't need to make more movies. It's all right there. Okay, so you would use this device, you would run the seeds through it or, or pass this device over the seeds, and that is going to increase the yield and, and so forth. There's a few other steps that Lefty uh, accidentally had left the seeds that made these huge improvements were dried up in an envelope in the back of a drawer, so they needed to be lost in no moisture, no light for a few weeks or a few months, there's, you know, those few little details in the beginning where you've got to neglect the seeds so their insides are almost like busting out to get some light, to get some moisture, to get some life. And so the seeds are really making their own selves super seeds. And then when you hit them with this 30% of charge density plasma, boom, then you've got super seeds. All right. So we've got uh, about six minutes here. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Evo C60. The consumable form of the carbon 60 molecule is ESS60. We, uh, you know, we've talked before about the remarkable um, animal study, the rat study, that was supposed to be a toxicity study and turned into a longevity study. These uh, Worcester rats living almost uh, twice their normal lifespan, and uh, even with that, they died tumor-free. Rats, uh, they get they get tumors and they die with the, the tumors. These these rats lived twice their normal lifespan, tu uh, tumor free. Uh, I know you love the uh, the product so much. You're now uh, co owner. Uh, I've been using the product for what almost two years now, at least. Yeah, um, since I'm I opened the company. Right, it's been almost two years. No gray hairs, folks. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Look at you know, no gray hair, uh, no aches or pains. Um, sleep like a baby. And I told you this, I think the last time, Patty, we did a podcast. I My left eye, I have about 40% vision. It was diagnosed like 50 years ago when I was in public school. They said lack of oxygen in the womb. It won't get any, you know, it won't get any better. It won't really get any worse, although I, I could develop a, a, you know, stigmatism in that eye. Uh, so my last eye appointment the um, the eye doctor said, "Well, that's interesting. There, you know, I did the eye chart, cover the eyes, and so forth. There's and actually there's a there's a slight improvement in your left eye. That doesn't happen. So oh, there you the, go. The testimonials make me so happy, and it's like this selective, intuitive miracle molecule that goes to where you need it. And everybody has different results because everybody has a different system. And if you're super toxic in the beginning, people are a little nauseous sometimes. But, um, oh, my God, my intestinal tract, how that cleared out. But I'm so 
souped up on C60 now, the good stuff. And it's like anything. There's now this big range of A to F quality C60 on the market. There's only one lab in the world that's been manufacturing C60 fullerenes, fullerenes, Buckminster fullerenes, for 30 years, and those are my partners. So I'm partnered with the only lab that's been manufacturing it to the point where they have industrial-grade C60, which is a lower grade, not safe for humans, but it's great for tires, solar cells, and all these different things that they've been doing. All right, that was their business. They didn't right. mean to get into the supplement business. No, and I came in like a girl, and I blew it up, and now we've got a facial serum that is just incredible and a lip renewal. And um, one the Mighty of the Aphrodite loves the facial serum. She uses Aww. it every day. She loves it. I mean, she's got skin like a teenager. Oh, how wonderful. Now, do you guys like the lip remedies? Uh, I think she's using I don't. Did you send me the lip remedies? She, you know, she grabs that stuff. I don't see it. As soon as it gets in the house, it's gone. <laughs> but I, I use the, you know, I take my t I, a tablespoon of um, a C60 every day with is in the olive oil. Now, but some people don't, you know, they don't, for whatever reason, they don't like the olive oil. So now it's available in capsule form, right? Yes, I was just going to say that. We have avocado oil, and we also have C60 with MCT oil, but we've done the science in the uh, HPLC machine, which measures the concentration of how much C60 is in your formula. And the olive oil holds more C60 than any other oil on the market. And people that are promoting MCT as the best C60, they don't realize it holds less than half. The C60, no matter how much you put right. in it, no matter how long you mix it. Yeah, I mean, you sell the, you know, the the avocado, the C60 in the avocado, and in the, the other is like a coconut oil, right? Correct, the MCT is right. coconut. MCT, yeah. But, and it's, but it's because some people just tolerate those oils better. They, for whatever reason, they don't like the taste of the olive oil, but you get more C60 in the uh, as a solution in the in the uh, the olive oil but some if you don't people don't like the taste of the olive oil uh then they they can take it in a capsule form we just started doing the caps literally a week ago and i think they're almost selling more than the oil mm. really surprised me see i like the oil i like the i oil. do too i mean it's got that pungent you know real greek olive oil taste right uh, Actually, it's not from uh, Greece. Ours is from a specific farm. I forget the what country. Oh, my partners do all that. Right. Um, but really, you know, um, they tested all the C60s on the market, 22 different products. And the term that they came up with at the lab was shocking and woefully low. They were really surprised that a lot of the top companies selling C60 promote, promote, brag, brag. They were selling one tenth of what the label said on their bottle. Right. Really. Well, the good stuff, they get the good stuff. It's uh, c60evo.com, c60evo.com forward slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Uh, and um, if you use the code EVRS at checkout, EVRS. At checkout, you get an additional 10% and, and buy it uh, on subscription. That way you never run out. You don't have to think about it again. And then you save more, right? Yes. Subscriptions. You sign up for a subscription, you get 20% off 
every month. And if you don't love it, you can just send us an email and cancel. No problem. But most people don't. And it's nice to save 20%. Plus, if you use Richard's code, you get the 10% off your first order. All right. C60Evo.com slash Richard hyphen Sarah, or just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the banner ad. Uh, always a pleasure, Patty. We'll talk again. Be well. Stay well. Okay. Patty Greer, cropcirclefilms.com. Back next week with Robert W. Sullivan IV. We'll talk about occult Hollywood, predictive programming, and more for the full two hours. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark speak in the light, what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Happy birthday to you. Hey, where's mom going? She hasn't even opened her presents. Well, son, she just turned 65, which means there's new offers for her at Specsavers. What? Yep, an eye exam now costs her nothing, and she can get 30% off lens upgrades with any pair of glasses. Wow. So, can we cut the cake now? You betcha. No-cost eye exams are for eligible seniors at all participating locations with costs covered by provincial health care. Conditions apply. See specsavers.ca. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.